Hello, my name is John Schaefer, and welcome to the CityWire Wealth Manager podcast. This week, it was confirmed by the Chancellor that 7.5 million jobs have been furloughed so far. Clearly, the question is, how is all this going to be paid for? One area that some suggest could be changed to plug the COVID gap is inheritance tax. I spoke with Neil Jones from Canada Life to discuss whether the tax could rise and if certain loopholes could be closed. So there are quite a few murmurings of radical changes to IHG before um, Sunak's first budget. But there didn't seem to be anything in there related to inheritance tax, or if there was, it was very minor. Um, why do you think that was the case? Um, probably, probably for a few reasons, to be honest with you. I think um, you had the budget early in March, uh, and that came right after where you had last year, where you had a lot of parliamentary upheaval, and basically the back half of last year was probably most of the time was taken up with Brexit. Um, and at the end of the year, we had uh, the election. Uh, right before Christmas. Then we had Brexit again in January, where they had to get ready for the vote for the uh, 31st of January. And then we had a change in Chancellor. So I just think everything just sort of came on top of each other. And there just wasn't much time to get things done. We hadn't had a budget for over a year when we had the budget in March. Um, And and budgets are now supposed to be at the end of the year, or November, Mm. December time, in in place of the autumn statement. So I think what... I I do agree, but then the the flip side is that there's been a lot of talk of reform and inheritance tax for several years. I mean, um, you had Philip Hammond calling for the OTS to do reform, um, look into inheritance tax. So so perhaps there is a little surprising that there was nothing in the budget. Yeah, I mean, they, they HMRC do do work that just doesn't get implemented. I mean, I know a lot of work has been done around things like pension tax relief, um, which hasn't yet been implemented or whether it will be is another matter. But I think um, when we got to March, the, I think the end, my expectation was if nothing was going to happen, then it was going to be at the end of the year. It was going to be in November, the autumn statement. Um, I think that's probably been overtaken. <laughs> I think the, all the COVID stuff, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to throw things into a bit of a cocktail. But I'd imagine that there would have been something planned for the end of the year. And usually when the government do sort of major reforms or significant changes, they go through a consultation process. Uh, and certainly we haven't, there hasn't been a consultation or nothing's been announced. So whether or not they do that is another matter. But as I say, the COVID crisis has probably overtaken things. And do you think that IHT might be used as a mechanism to pay for some of the COVID crisis? I mean, there have been other articles that have suggested that, you know, post-World War II, the inheritance tax was lumped up to about 80%. Do you think we could be in a situation there again? Um, I don't, I personally don't think so. I think I think if, if the government need to raise money, I think there's other ways that they can do it. Inheritance tax only generates a small amount of income for the government. Um, I say small amount of income, it's over five billion a year. But in the grand scheme of things, that's less than 1% of the tax revenues it generates uh, as a a government from the whole tax system. So inheritance tax only pays a a small part of it. If they wanted to generate income, I think there's other things that they could do, which could probably be a bit more fair. I mean, inheritance tax is quite emotive. People get quite passionate feelings about it for one reason or another. And I think there are other ways of doing uh, doing tax uh, tax generation if they needed to. I know I was looking at some of the stats um, uh, and they were talking about the, the OBR, I think, estimates that we're going to have a deficit of 
over 250 billion by the end of the year, which is obviously quite a lot of money that the government's got to generate. So I think tweaking inheritance tax is not going to make a big dent in that. I think there's other things that they need to do and other things that need to bump up the priority list before they start looking at inheritance tax. Um, you know, as I say, pensions tax relief might be one that they want to look at. Um, Equalising capital gains tax rates with income tax rates. Um, you know, even capping or having a lifetime cap on ISAs could even be another one. But but I think there's other things that they can do which will generate more revenue than inheritance tax. Because even if they double the rate of inheritance tax, it's only going to be 10 billion. Be that as it may, that I mean, I think some of the controversy around um, inheritance tax is the multiple ways to. Um, avoid it. I mean, there, there are various mechanisms in, in place at the moment, um, which are quite complex. Um, but be that as it may, there are ways to avoid inheritance tax. And, and do you think that will be coming to the fore um, w- when there's a new budget in, in November? Yeah, I think I think if they reform inheritance tax, which is what the the all-party parliamentary group looked at, whereas the, the Office of Tax Implication, sorry, the Office of Tax Implication looked at reform, whereas the APPG looked at redesigning and changing inheritance tax. So it depends on how far the government want to go, um, whether they want to tweak it or whether they want to start again from scratch and put a new uh, a new system in place. I mean, inheritance tax has been around. Um, obviously since the 80s, and it's just been tweaked and changed and things have been added onto the side and you know, new reliefs added, and that, but it, there hasn't had a proper review and some of the implications of what has, what, what's been added or changed has not sort of followed through to, through the whole system. So it, it does need a, a review, but the nice thing about inheritance tax at the moment is that people can do something about it. If they change it, they may change or may limit the planning opportunities that advisors and clients have got. So... Is it better the devil you know or the devil you don't? I don't. <laughs> so, what aspects of the ways that people can change their inheritance tax liability do you think will be changed by the government? What kind of loopholes at the moment do you think will be changed? Um, as far as I mean, there's not a lot of loopholes. I know some of the reports that came out, some of them were quite interesting. I thought the the parliamentary group were talking about having a lower rate. So they were talking about going down to ten percent. Uh, for anything above the nil rate band, but less than 2 million, and then 20% for anything over 2 million, um, with part of the reason for that being that if the rates are lower, people will want to avoid it less. <laughs> but, you know, 10% of an estate is still quite a lot of money. 10% of 2 million pounds is a lot of money to try and plan for. Um, so I think, you know, there, there has to be opportunities for people to plan. There has to be the ability to gift money. Um, Would that not be somewhat fairer, though, if, if because it's, it's fairly aggressive tax planning, some, some of the inheritance tax planning that's available, um, and if it was just a blanket 10%, um, it mean, it's kind of an equaliser, isn't it? So well, whatever, you, whatever you do, you, know, you, you can't do uh, any, anything overly complex, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, uh, people are allowed to gift money. And they gift money and then they have the seven-year clock running on it. Uh, avoiding tax or evading it, that's that's just planning. That's allowing you to, to use the ability to gift money within the current framework. And it's not abusive. It, it, it's just perfectly yeah. legal. Um, so, so planning opportunities are very good. As I said, you know, if, if they choose to, even if they say scrap inheritance tax, which people were mooting around last year anyway, the government have got to replace that five billion from somewhere else. So, if they go, uh, if they go and I don't know, increase another tax to to make up for the inheritance tax they've lost, is that tax of 
you know, can you plan against the extra tax that you, somebody's going to have to pay? If not, then people's uh, the amount of tax people pay goes up, and there's not a lot they can do about it. Whereas inheritance tax is something that you can plan for if somebody starts um, if it starts early enough. Uh, why do you think IHT is such an unpopular tax, considering <laughs> so few people actually have to pay it? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, um, I, th- I think probably from a um, a couple of reasons. Firstly, obviously timing. People get involved in inheritance tax when uh, when uh, either a family member or a close friend has died, and then they have to sort out tax. So there's a whole raft of paperwork. I mean, it's so complicated. Some of the paperwork. I did a uh, I looked at some paperwork for a, a friend of the family um, earlier on this year, and it was just it just reminds you about how bad these things are when. Um, just normal members of the public are trying to understand them. Um, So I think one is obviously the timing of when people have to deal with it. And I think secondly, there's this perception that people pay taxes during their life on their income and on their investments and so on. um, And they accumulate their wealth during their lifetime. And then when they die, they pay tax on it again. And I think that there's some people sort of view it as I'm paying tax twice on the same money. Now, obviously, when people are accumulating their wealth, they get various allowances and reliefs and that sort of stuff. So they don't pay tax on everything they earn or all the profits that they make. So it's a bit of a perception rather than... I mean, that, that's, a fairly co- that's a fairly common argument against IHT, that it's a, a form of double taxation. But it's, it's not the only uh, area where we pay double taxation. You, I mean, you've got VAT, for example, is, is a form yeah, of double taxation, totally. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, d- double taxation... Is, is is rife yeah as you say vat is, is the is the clear example of that um but but just it's just that perception of inheritance tax that i've paid tax all my life and i've got to pay it again when i die um and i think part of it also is is complexity as well um and that that applies for members of the public and for advisors i mean it's it's incredibly complicated tax to try and get your head around sometimes uh and some of the things don't necessarily uh, you know make common sense <laughs> like you know some of the things are very very strange the way they apply you know they you have a seven year clock why seven years uh, sometimes you have to go back 14 yeah. <laughs> well i, suppo- know, I suppose that? that was one of the suggestions um by the ots wasn't it to to reduce the time to five years what, what did you to think about years. that that suggestion I, th- I, th- I think going back five years is, is a lot easier because when executors are trying to sort out an, an estate Five years is a lot more realistic to try and get records going back. If you need to go back seven years, it's a bit difficult. And then sometimes you even need to go back 14, or certainly the beneficiaries do. And how many people keep records going back 14, 14 years? Not, yeah, not many. So, so five years seems to be a, okay, it's an arbitrary figure. Where does five come from? Um, so it, it would make it easier. Hmm. Um, I mean, certainly the APPG recommendation was that uh, you have an annual gift allowance yep. and you pay uh, 10% on anything that exceeds that annual gift allowance. Mm. Um, so no need to go back in time because you're paying the tax as you go. If we went to something like a five-year um, trajectory for, for, for uh, gifting, do you think that would significantly affect some of the other tax planning um, strategies like trusts and business property relief, um, use of AIM shares, do you think those kind of things would be become a lot less popular? Yeah, I mean, some of the reports, um, or certainly the APPG report, did talk a lot more about uh, business relief and trusts. Obviously, gifts to trusts would be 
part of that exemption. So you would have, I think they proposed a 30,000 or 40,000 pound annual exemption on gifts. Anything in excess of that would have 10% and that could go into a trust. Um, they did want to look at ways of taxing the beneficiaries. I'm not quite sure how that would work because with a discretionary trust, there aren't any until the money is actually given to them. Uh, business relief was mentioned in the APPG and with the OTS. Um, obviously, business relief schemes provide a lot of um, investment in AIM shares and smaller companies. So that's very good for the economy. But business relief was created so that somebody didn't have to sell their business or, or a business didn't have to be sold uh, on somebody's death. Now, you know, investing in AIM shares is not the intent of that policy that the uh, HMRC have created, but there are benefits to it. So I think, you know, both reports talk about reviewing business relief schemes or business relief in itself just to try and work out, you know, is actually meeting the policy intent what it is actually for. You know, these types of schemes get capital gains tax relief or income tax relief? Do they really need inheritance tax relief? So I think one of them talked about saying um, there wouldn't be a CGT uplift on death. But so, so there would be capital gains to pay when somebody dies rather than inheritance tax. And I think that was sort of leading into um, what Richard Murphy was suggesting about um, CGT being introduced on, on main residences on death. And how do you think that would be received? Um Again, probably not, probably not very popular because uh, people in the UK that they, they like home ownership. It's a family home. They don't see why they should have to pay tax on a family home, um, which is fair enough. I know, um, you know, there was. I, I do read Richard's uh, Richard's blog and his website um, quite often, so it is quite interesting to read that. And obviously, you mentioned it. Um, but I mean, yeah, capital gains tax doesn't apply to a main residence anyway. Um, they get full CGT relief against it. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, how would you stop that? So, you know, would you have some sort of cap on what the relief could be? You know, you might sort of say, okay, instead of the whole property being being free of capital gains tax, how about, um, you know, having an allowance or having uh, something that increases over time? So maybe sort of £50,000 to start with and then an additional amount thereafter. But with inheritance tax, you don't get capital gains tax and inheritance tax at the same time. That's one of the, that's one of the principles of inheritance is they don't apply at the same time. So if you then started applying capital gains tax instead of inheritance tax, or as well as inheritance tax, that could get very expensive. Um, because if you think you've got 40% inheritance tax and 20% capital gains tax, that's a 60% tax rate. Um, wh whether or not it would cover the what Richard termed the COVID gap, I think, is another matter. I think if you if you just if you just got got rid of the uh, uh, the exemption on death, I think it would raise taxes. I think you know in, in some some respects it could be done in a fair way, but it wouldn't certainly fulfil the COVID. I think there would have to be other revenue generating ideas or changes. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be in favour of a, you know, a carte blanche, let's just increase taxes to cover this. I think when you when you talk about increasing taxes, you need to make sure it's done in a fair way. I mean, I suppose the argument is, is that something's got to give from somewhere and um, perhaps inheritance yes. taxes it is a kind of clear-cut option um, because mm. you don't necessarily, you know, when you're dead, you you don't need that money, do you? I mean, I, I know <laughs> it's. Uh, um, I know, I know, you may want to pro provide for for beneficiaries, but 
it's kind of their responsibility to to, to, yeah. to provide for themselves, isn't it? It's not quite as um, you know they haven't earned the money in the same way as the, the people earning necessarily earning uh, earning that wealth in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I mean, some people have talked about wealth taxes instead, which is obviously yeah. just an, an annual charge on 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 somebody's entire wealth. But the um, yeah, I mean, inheritance tax itself, uh, as I say, wouldn't generate an awful lot of money. So, I th- or wouldn't generate enough to make that much of a difference. I think there needs to be other things, needs yeah. to be other changes, um, and certainly around things like uh, yeah, CGT is is quite an interesting one because. Mm. Um, you know, CGT was was there to stop people having income falling outside of the income tax rules, but yet it's taxed at half the rate. So, mm. uh, uh, you know, would, would equalising the rate generate extra income? Quite possibly. Uh, but some tax. Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, um, some taxes are uh, only dependent on somebody taking a particular course of action. One of those is capital gains tax, which which Richard referred to. And it's an interesting one because I could buy an investment and hold it and never pay tax on it until I come to sell it. Then if somebody inherits that off me and there's a CGT exemption, they could hold it and never sell it. So there would never be any tax on it. Um, so CGT is something that somebody has to do something in order for that tax to be generated. And that something is to sell sell it or gift it or or dispose of it in some way uh, and that's where the tax is generated now if you're tr- if the government's trying to raise money not necessarily in a hurry but almost immediately obviously they need to get the economy to recover um, but if people don't sell their investments or are selling them at a loss it's not going to generate any money so therefore applying it on death means that they do actually get some money at some point uh, when somebody holds a particular asset, whether it be a, a property or or an investment portfolio, so if the government did impose far more severe IHT restrictions and far more punitive taxation um, in the inheritance tax sphere, do you think there would be an element of capital flight out of the UK? Quite possibly. Yeah, I mean, I know um, obviously. With uh, with inheritance tax, it's linked to domicile. So if somebody is domiciled in the UK, they will pay inheritance tax on a worldwide assets. So somebody like myself moving money offshore, that's not going to shelter it from inheritance tax. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a limited opportunity for people who either have a domicile elsewhere in the world or can leave and acquire a domicile elsewhere in the world. Uh, and that would only be the wealthy, or in general, it would only be the wealthy, um, yeah. rather than... Your, your normal clients that most financial advisors speak to. So so there could potentially be an issue around that. Um, I mean, what, what's your de- definition of wealthy in this situation? Are we talking sort of multi-millionaires? Kind of rather than- oh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm talking multi-millionaires. If you've got somebody who's, you know, if, if you've got a million pounds in this country, is it financially viable to up sticks and move your entire family just to save on potential inheritance tax? There's other things that you can do that I mean you don't have to do that. You don't have to uproot your family who may be settled, and obviously you've got work and things to to, to yeah. consider as well. well. I, I suppose if you're in the million pound bracket, you you might not even be caught in in the IHT um, bucket. I suppose if you're no, yeah, you're right banned, etc. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking uh, a million of investable yeah, assets, that sort sure. of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, the residence nil rate band is a whole new, whole new, a whole other ball game, I'm afraid, because that's that's just 
you know, if something was going to change in the interim, I think the residence of the great band should be one that should change because it's just overly complicated. Yeah, I, th- there me, have been a lot of... It's quite prejudice as well. <laughs> it's only... Why do you think it's prejudice against people who haven't been married or...? Yeah, yeah, you, you have to own a house and you have to have children yeah. to benefit from it. So if, if you decide, well, I don't want home ownership, I want to go and spend my money and, and rent somewhere and um, I've never had children, then you're at financial disadvantage to somebody who has. Um, yeah. And what do you think the solution would be to, to raise the nil rate band? Because obviously that hasn't really changed. Is it over a decade that that hasn't changed? Yeah, 2009, it's 325. Yeah. Um, so, so when somebody says about inheritance tax and the rate not going up, it has effectively gone up because um, assets have increased in value since 2009, but the nil rate band hasn't. So yeah. the government has been generating more income yeah. through inheritance tax. Um so, yeah, so it hasn't changed. I mean, it should change next year, um, or that was the intention, whether or not that does happen after the COVID stuff, I don't know. Um, Do you think that would be likely then? I mean, I, I, I hadn't heard much um, in, in the way of, of boosting the nil rate band. I mean, because obviously the uh, the residence nil rate band has kind of come to its peak at this point now, hasn't it, for, for, for 2021. Um, but I don't know if there, there would be any any other changes to the nil rate band. No, as, as I say, it, it's supposed to be going up. It's supposed to be linked to CPI from mm. April next year, um, both the nil rate band and the residents' nil rate band. Um, but if the government need to raise money, then that's just an easy way of saying, well, it's not going to go up. Yeah. Um, you know, the unfortunate circumstances we're in is the death rate's gone up, so more people are dying, so therefore there's more estates to sort out. Um, obviously, I think uh, inheritance tax in the OTS report said that only Sort of, I think it was five percent of estates actually pay inheritance tax, um, so it doesn't catch everybody. Um, in fact, it doesn't catch many people. But when it does catch people, it does hurt. I, I wanted to go back um, just to we were talking a bit about the OTS and kind of some of the some of the reliefs that they targeted. Um, one being AIM and and you know the idea that perhaps AIM shouldn't qualify for an inheritance tax relief. Do you think that's something that might be re- removed um, in the sort of medium term? Um, yeah, I mean, both both the reports that were done um, last year to sort of did talk about a potential review for um, certainly business relief schemes. As I said, said earlier, the, the, the uh, business relief was introduced so that a business didn't have to be sold in order to fund the inheritance tax liability. By investing in AIM shares, well, that company that's being invested in is not going to impact if a shareholder dies. Um, so it doesn't necessarily fulfill the policy intent, but it has grown and sort of changed into a way of generating investment into the AIM market or the alternative investment market. So so it, almost its purpose or its benefit has changed. How much that benefit is, I you know, I don't know without actually sort of analysing things, how, how would anybody measure that? that value of the benefit but they do get income tax or benefits and they can get capital gains tax benefits and they get inheritance tax benefits so they do get a lot of tax benefits on those type of arrangements so whether or not they would review them and inheritance tax you know if they decide that one of them is going to change will inheritance tax be the one that changes i don't know yeah i I mean i suppose there may be a bit of fear that if you remove that inheritance tax relief then the incentive to invest in those companies becomes completely removed yeah, or unless you cap them in some way. Yeah. Um, so, so instead of saying, right, you lose that benefit, you just sort of say, well, you can only have a benefit up to a certain amount. 
you know, and, and I've even heard people talk about, you know, ISIS having lifetime caps and that sort of thing. Um, well, because, in a similar yeah. way to a pension. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. effectively, you know, the, the wealthy seem to seem to benefit a lot from the tax break. So, you know, how many people have £20,000 a year to put into an ISA, or even if there's a married couple, £40,000 a year? So very much is a benefit for the wealthy. So should you then cap it at the other end? I don't know. That's, that's uh, you know, <laughs> everybody will have their own opinion on that one. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, Neil, um, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks so much. No problem. No, good to talk to you. Cheers.